I'm so glad that you're here today because we're moving, we're continuing to move through this series, God is, and then fill in the blank. Okay, this series is all about looking at the character of God in the hopes that maybe we can get to know God just a little bit better. Maybe even get to know Him better than we've ever known Him before. In fact, in Deuteronomy 4.29, it gives us this promise. If you search for Him, okay, Him being God, if you search for Him with your whole heart, guess what? You will find Him. This basically teaches us that God wants to be found. Like, God wants us to understand Him more, right? It got, that's, and that's key for us. If you remember from last week, we said that the more we're able to understand God, the more our lives are going to make sense. And, and I believe that that's the number one reason that people come to church, right? Is to learn more about God. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of reasons that people come to church. Um, one of the reasons being that our middle schoolers get their time together during church, and I forgot to dismiss them. So, <laughs> Autumn's in the, she's going thumbs up. Yes. Okay. One of the reasons you love go to church because our middle schoolers, they're, they're leaving right now to go have their time together. Sorry, I missed that. Another reason people love to come to church is to connect with each other. Uh, a reason people love to come to church is this is where friendships happen. This is where we make those connections. Um, another reason people love coming to church are golden donuts. We got those out front. And, and, and we got crumble cookies today out front. That's just, that's awesome. But I really think the main reason main reason people like to come to church, of course, is to connect with God, right? To get to know Him a little bit better. To, to answer the basic questions that we all have. Who is God? Where is God? How can I experience more of God in my life? And the reason for this is because so many of us, we really don't understand who God is, right? We really don't have a good understanding or this, this good image of God. And, and, and sometimes it's, instead of going after that knowledge ourselves and researching and reading Scripture and really diving in, sometimes it's just easier for people to just accept those general ideas that most people have about God, even though they may or may not be true. So in this series, what we're doing is we're making a commitment to really try to understand God a little bit better. And last week, we started off by examining a big word, omnipresent, right? And we talked about how God is everywhere and anytime. There is nowhere that you can go that God is not, right? And today, today, we're going to look at how God is described as omnipotent, okay? And these are big theological words, and these, these words, what they do is they help us define a little bit more, even though he can't be defined, but it kind of helps us try to get a little bit more of an accurate understanding of who God is. So let's break omnipotent down here, okay? The one who has unlimited power or authority. Okay, again, omni means all, potent means powerful, authoritative. Okay, so the one that has unlimited power or authority. And to help us with these definitions in these theological terms that we've been talking about each week, what I've been doing is I've been going to that story of Moses. Okay, and I want to use this story again. I want to go back to this. We're kind of using this as the foundation as we move forward. But you may remember last week we talked about how God approached Moses to be the leader that would take the people out of Egypt, right? And the people have been praying for this. The people have been waiting for this. They need this. So when Moses comes and he's like trying to get these people and trying to get the Pharaoh to understand what God wants, all these types of things, the people are like, finally, this is what we have been waiting for. 
God has heard us. Like God is with us, right? It's a crazy story. So when God comes to Moses to tell him what to do, he comes in the burning bush. Right? And I'm sure that that burning bush experience for Moses was awesome. And it was crazy all at the same time. And he had a hard time, just like any of us would, being in that situation if we try to put ourselves in his shoes, which is pretty much impossible to do. But how in the world do you just, do you just break that down? Like, how do you understand that? What happened? And so Moses goes to God and he says this in Exodus 3.13. He says, if I go to the people of Israel, and if I tell them the God of your, the God of your ancestors, is that God? Is God speaking now? <laughs> Let's see. Maybe. I mean, he is omnipotent. Maybe he is powerful enough. He has taken over the sound system. All right, here we go. Let's see. Let's see if that happens again. Um, Moses, trying to understand, just like we're trying to understand what just happened. Moses is trying to understand what just happened. And he says this. If I go to the people of Israel and I tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what is his name? What do I tell them? Like, what do I tell them, right? And we talked about this last week. Right, how God, God ha- hasn't been described yet. He really hasn't had a name yet. So basically, Moses is trying to wrap his head. He's like, What do I tell them who you are? Like, do I go and I tell them that the burning bush told me to rescue them from Pharaoh? Because that's not going to go well. They're just going to think I'm crazy and I'm going to end up in jail or something like this lunatic. Nobody's going to believe that, right? So, so what do I say? And God, God tells Moses this. God replied to Moses and says, This is who you say. You tell them, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am, the great I am, has sent me to you. Now, this is so important, like we talked about last week. Because a name in that culture, it wasn't just a name for names. You know, we tend to go through names now, and we like to pick the cool names or, you know, you know what sounds good or what's popular at the time. You know, you see those baby list names. But not back then. Back then, it wasn't what's popular at the time. Names had real meaning, right? A name could be a description for a person. Take, for instance, Jacob and Esau. Y'all, y'all know the, the, the story of Jacob and Esau, right? Jacob's name literally means heel grabber, Okay, and it, and it actually described the fact that when Jacob was born, he was grasping onto his brother's heel, trying to be first. And that name meant, heel grabber, meant that throughout life, what we see is that he would be grasping at Esau, his older brother, trying to pull him down so that he could lift him up. So in a sense, Jacob, his name fit. Esau, Esau's name literally means hairy. It does. Like, and we know this from the story because when Jacob tries to dress up like his brother, he puts dead animal skin on his arms so that he could be hairy like his brother. Like, how hairy do you have to be in order for that to make sense, right? I mean, honestly, right? That's gross. But that's what happens, and his name fits, right? So God's name is I Am, and it fits, Last week we said that his name means eternal presence. I am. I am. I have have always existed. I will always exist. I am. And it also, just think about this for a minute. It also represents the fact that God is everything and even more. 
God is kind of telling us that there aren't enough words to describe him. I am fill in the blank. Basically, you can't just put one adjective in there and accurately describe who he is. There aren't enough words to describe how big, how amazing, how powerful our God really is. He is omnipotent. He has all authority. We serve a God without any limits. His power is inexhaustible. It never runs out. God doesn't get tired, which is something we can't understand because we do get tired, don't we? Let let me ask you this. Is there anything better than an afternoon nap? How many of y'all love taking afternoon naps if you get a chance? Yes. Aren't they the best? Yes, I remember when the girls were little, and I know I've told this story before, but I'm going to reminisce here for a minute, so y'all just stay here with me. But when the girls were little, I used to take, I, I would take Fridays off and I would have Daddy Day before they got into school. So I'd just hang out. Shannon was at work, and while Shannon was at work, they could eat and wear whatever they wanted to. Okay, Dad didn't care. And then when Abby was, when it was just me and Abby and Say was in school, Abby had all these different um, outfits that she could wear that were just different Disney characters. And so every time I made a um, trip out somewhere, it seemed like she was constantly changing those outfits throughout the day. So, you know, I I would make a trip uh, to Publix with Belle, and I would go to Walmart with Jasmine, and I would go to Blockbuster with Ariel. So each time, she just loved, but I would go to Blockbuster. How many of y'all remember going to Blockbuster? Y'all remember? Wasn't that the best, too? Yes. So much fun walking up and down the aisles, looking at all the boxes, trying to remember what you've seen and what you haven't, and like what is going to be the, the one movie that we choose to watch as a family tonight. But, but I would take Abby there, and we would, we would go through the kids' area because I knew that if I could get her to watch a movie on Friday afternoon, it meant she would watch the movie and I could take a nap. <laughs> And that was a glorious thing. Parents with children, you know how incredible afternoon naps can be because they're so rare, right? We love them because we get tired. We get worn out. It's hard for us to imagine unlimited power, unlimited strength, because we're limited. But it's important for us to understand how powerful God is because if we don't think that he's big enough, then what's going to happen is we're not fully going to trust him with our lives, are we? Right? We need someone that we can believe in that is big, that is powerful enough to take care of whatever is happening in my life. God has to be omnipotent. I want to share with you a verse that comes from Isaiah 40. Some of you might realize that you know this verse by the time I get to the end of it. But in Isaiah 40, God says this, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of all the earth, he never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, which is what we're just talking about. But those, those who what? Those who trust in the Lord, what do they find? They find his strength. And with that strength comes the ability to soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I love this. Let this be a reminder to us this morning. You see, if God is all-powerful, and we said last week that he offers his protection to his people, right? Then that means that whatever situation I'm in right now, I don't have to give up. 
right? If I'm depressed, if I'm discouraged, if I'm up against a problem that I, that I just don't think that I can overcome by myself, I have to remember that I serve an omnipotent God. So you're telling me there's a chance, right? And that chance that I have is because God is with me. You, you know, there's this great time when, when Mary realizes what's going to happen, and the angel is telling Mary that she's going to become pregnant, and she's going to give birth, and all these types of things. And she was young, and she, can, she was confused, and she didn't understand how this was going to happen. And then she gets to this point in Luke one thirty seven, where she says this. She says, I know that God can do anything. What you're telling me seems unreasonable. It doesn't seem like it could happen. It shouldn't happen. And even though I don't understand how it's going to happen or what's going to happen next, I do believe that anything is possible for my God because nothing's impossible for him. He is omnipotent. So you know what? Turn to your neighbor right now and tell him, say, God's got this. Tell him right now. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell him, God's got this. God's got this. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Let's talk about the benefits that that brings us. Because God is all-powerful, number one, here you go. If you got your message notes, you can fill in these blanks. Everybody online, message notes are available on the app. You can fill in those blanks as well. Number one, I can overcome my problems, right? If God is all-powerful, then I can overcome those problems. Now, when I talk about this, one of the questions everybody asks me is, why doesn't God just remove those problems? Like, if he is that powerful, why didn't he just get rid of the problems? Like, why doesn't God just take them away? Surely he's big enough to do that, right? And maybe you've asked that question before, and honestly, it's a good question to ask. But here's one of the reasons that God might not do that. There's a lot of reasons, but let me just give you one. One of the reasons is because the majority of the problems that we have in life come from our own decisions. Right, they come from our own free will. A lot of the times, what we're doing is we're dealing with situations that we've created, right? That we chose. And if God were to head all that off and just take that away from us and not give the ability for us to choose, then what would He be doing? He'd be getting rid of free will, right? He would have to remove the very thing that makes us human, the ability to choose right and wrong, to choose Him or not, to choose to love him or not. And he's not going to remove your right to choose. So as long as we have free will, we're going to have to deal with those problems in life. Okay, so, so that's one of the reasons. But let's go back to the main point. Even though he doesn't always remove those problems, what does he promise in Scripture? He promises to always be with us and walk through those situations and to be with us right by our side. And the promise the Scripture also gives us is that God will actually use those situations to grow us and to make us an even better disciple, right? So God is saying, you're going to have some problems in life. Like, that's going to happen. You, you are part of a fallen and broken world, but that's why Jesus came. And when you face it, God promises to be with us and to walk through that with us and help us overcome those problems, and maybe even learn and grow through them. Jesus put it this way in John 16. He says, here on earth, you're going to have trials and sorrows. You will. We're living in a fallen and broken world. Sin, sin has broken this world. But Jesus says, take heart because I have overcome the world. Notice this verse. It's in the past tense. Jesus has already overcome these things 
He's got this. So you know what that means? You know what that means in our lives? That means a couple of things, just a little sub-points to this. Um, one thing that means is that no problem is too big for God, right? You see, when God is with you, no matter what's going on in your life, no problem is too big. Every problem then becomes an opportunity, honestly. Every dead end can become a new beginning. A difficult situation that we don't understand can actually be an amazing opportunity to grow. Let me tell you a time that this happened in the Bible. This was amazing. Just, just a, a great story that shows that no problem is too big for God. There is a time in the book of Jeremiah when the Israelites were being overtaken by the Babylonians. The Babylonians were outside, okay? These were, these were terrible jokers, okay? I mean, they're just awful people, and they're outside the gates. They're set up around Jerusalem. Jerusalem is about to go down, and everybody knows it. And God comes to the prophet Jeremiah, and he says, listen, your uncle is going to come, and he's going to sell you a piece of property. He wants to sell you a piece of property. And there's a thing about this piece of property. It's outside the walls. It's, it's basically in the section where the Babylonians have their tent set up. Like the land is worthless. But God tells Jeremiah, I want you to buy that property. And I want you to show everybody that you're buying that property. And everybody watches Jeremiah buy this worthless piece of property that's outside where the Babylonians are stationed. And everybody is looking at Jeremiah like this is the worst investment possible. Like this guy would never make it on Shark Tank, right? And yet he does it anyway. But this was a sign. God was saying, yes, the Babylonians are going to come in. They're going to take over. But God is like, I'm going to orchestrate everything so that my people will come back. And God is saying, I know it looks bad. And I know everybody thinks that there is no hope, but one day the Babylonians will be destroyed. And he says this in Jeremiah 32, 27. He looks at Jeremiah and he says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Is there anything that's too hard for me? I am bigger than all of this. There is nothing too big for my God. And you know what? Maybe he's trying to speak that in your life right now. Maybe that's why he brought you. Maybe you feel like you're surrounded by something right now. And it looks like there's no hope. And there's enemies all around you. And you just don't know. God may have brought you here this morning to hear those words. There is nothing too hard for him to handle. So you know what? No problem is too big for God. And the other thing we learned from point number one is that no problem is too small either. We might think God is so big up in heaven that we shouldn't worry him about all the little stuff in our life because he doesn't really care. Like he doesn't really care about those little things, so we try to handle it all ourselves. And we only pray for the big things in life like world peace or the upcoming elections or for the world war to end in Ukraine or that Kanye and Kim will just work things out, right? Just the big things. But what I've noticed, it's not just the big things that break us. It's often the little things in life. You know, there's little things that just build up. The little things are what just end up pushing us over the edge. The daily disagreements, the never-ending cycle of bills, the one more, the one more thing to do at work. You see, God loves us so much that he cares even about the little things. One of my favorite verses, 
Jesus says this in Luke 12. He says, if God gives such attention to the wildflowers, most of them never even seen, don't you think that he'll attend to you, take pride in you? Don't you think that he'll do his best for you? I love that. If God cares enough to stop and smell the roses, don't you think he'll stop for you? Right? Don't you think that he wants to help uh, everything that's going on in your life? He does. So God's omnipotence means that there's no problem that's too big. There's also, there's no problem too small either. The second thing it means is that I can make a difference. Number two is that I can make a difference. The reason we can make a difference is because God's power is made available to us. What it does is it turns us from ordinary into extraordinary. I remember the time that uh, we were putting up the fence in the backyard and uh, we, we put up a lot of fence and, you know, I was doing pretty good with post hole diggers, you know, out there just sweating away. Uh, digging these holes, but everything changed when I went there, went out and uh, rented an auger. Has anybody ever done an auger before? Yeah. I mean, that thing's so massive, so powerful, basically, and I'm so little. Like, I basically rode that thing around my backyard, just ripped up my yard. Shannon's like, could you slow down? I'm like, I can't. <laughs> just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> On my own, I can't do much, right? But that day, I had extra power. It was amazing. I feel like Tim the Tool Man Taylor, right, had all that power, and it makes a difference. Let me ask you this. Um, When your life is done, when when you're looking back over your life, don't you want to make a difference? Don't you want to make an impact? After after you're gone, don't you want to look back over your life and realize that, man, I made a mark You know, will you, let me just ask you, like, will you have changed situations around you? You know what makes me so upset are Christians that just live so passively, who just kind of ease through life, that never really step up. What kills me are people that are in the church that say, you know what, I can't do that much. Like, I can't be expected to do much in ministry. Have you seen me? Like, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a salesman. or I'm just a banker. I just work in a cube at Global Systems. I mean, there's not much here to work with. Y'all. We have the ability to be so much more. Every person has the opportunity to make a difference. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, God can use you. Look at this verse that comes from 1 Corinthians. I love this. God's kingdom is not just a lot of words. It is power. It's not just words that we live by in life. No, no, no. This is power for our daily life. When you accept Christ and he moves in, man, it's not just talk. It's not just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. It's real power to do real kingdom work, and it's available to every single person, and it's with you because your God is that powerful. He is omnipotent, and he wants to make an impact in your life through you. The third thing that we learn is that I can be forgiven. I can be forgiven. Now, a lot of people look at this and like, why would you put this with God's power? Like, I mean, when you think about forgiveness, you know, I think about warm and fuzzies. Like, I think of love, peace, and happiness. Like, why in the world would you put this with power? But you know what? Do you know how much power it takes sometimes to give forgiveness? Like, have you ever had to reach down real deep and forgive someone? 
And it took all the strength you could muster to do it. Some of us still haven't given forgiveness. And it's because we're relying on our own power and we're just not strong enough ourselves. Why is that? Why does it take so much power to offer forgiveness? It's because sin is powerful, right? Sin is big. Sin is, sin is something that we have trouble overcoming. You aren't strong enough. Sin actually also leads to death, and death is also something that you can't defeat. It doesn't matter how good you try to be. It doesn't matter how hard we try in life. We can't overcome the power of sin and death, but God can, and he has. In fact, God is the only force in the universe that can overcome the power of sin and death and the hold that it has on us and provide the forgiveness that we need to live an everlasting life. Nowhere else do we find that power. And God did this by sending his son Jesus to die for our sins, to be that sacrifice that we need. Romans 6.10 put it this way. He says, when he died, he died to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. You see, the message of the cross, that's what we're all about here at the Ridge. It's amazing because it proves God's power to break that grip that sin has on our lives. And that means that you don't have to be separated from God ever. God is powerful enough to keep you with him in his presence for all of eternity. And that's amazing. And that's something that I hope that you realize that you have access to. And that leads us to the fourth point. The fourth point is this. Because of God's power, I can always be with God. I can be forgiven and I can always be in His presence. We don't have to live separated from Him. You see, God wants you to know Him personally. He's defeated the power of sin and death in your life so that you can have that real relationship with God himself that loves you so much that he died for you. You see, God wants you to understand him. Yes, 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 yes. God wants you to know more about him in Scripture. God wants you to understand these big theological words that maybe we're talking about so that you get a little bit better of an understanding of who he is. But more than that, he wants you to know him personally. He wants you to talk. He wants to have that deep and consistent relationship with you on a daily basis. It's more than just reading. It's being in their presence. You know, I'm a bit of a sports junkie. I love watching and learning more about my teams. I follow the teams on social media and, you know, I check reports to see what's going on and I listen to podcasts and you know, they, they put out this Braves uh, video that recaptured the last year of winning the World Series. So now anytime that plays on TV, I'm like, well, guess i got to watch this for the next hour. Seen it so many times, but that doesn't matter. I love watching it. But even, even more important than just reading, how great would it be to be able to sit down in the team's presence or someone's presence? Like, how much better would I know them then? You see... God doesn't want you just to understand him. He does. But it's more than that. He wants you to know him. You have the ability to be in his presence, to have a personal conversation with him and take that understanding to a whole nother level. Right? And it's when you spend time with him 
It's when you know more about him that you receive more of his power. That unlimited power that overcomes any problem, big or small. That unlimited power that allows you to make a difference in the world around you, no matter who you are, no matter what you do in life. That unlimited power that has the ability to wash away that sin that you think has stained your life. That unlimited power that actually allows you to have a deep and personal relationship with the God of this universe. That's available to you. You see, my fear this morning is that there's someone in here that's never accepted Jesus Christ into their heart. And therefore, they don't really understand the benefits of an omnipotent God. And if you've never encountered the power of a risen Savior, you can do that today. You can do that right here, right now. Or maybe, maybe you're on the other side of things and you walked in here this morning and you're so overwhelmed with life that you've, that you've actually lost the sense that God is all-powerful. That God is big enough to handle the things that are happening in your life, no matter if they're big or small. But you know what? In order for that to happen, you got to give it to Him. In order for Him to provide more in our lives, we're going to trust that He is omnipresent, that He is with me right now, and that He is omnipotent, that He is strong enough. Let's pray together. God, I thank you. We thank you that through your son, Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to know you. And to not just know you, to know more about you, but to be in a personal relationship with you. I thank you that the power of God, the one that created the heavens, the one that holds the universe in your hands is the same one who offers us his strength. So, God, just bring your spirit on us so that we can feel more of your presence and more of your power in our life. And if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't really know you, God, that, that has never asked you into their heart, God, I just pray that you would move in them right now. That they would feel just a hint of your power that's available. And maybe you came in here this morning with the world on your shoulders and now you understand that there is a Savior that wants to carry that load for you, that wants to give you his power. If that's you this morning, you've never accepted Jesus, then just pray this with me and just say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I ask for forgiveness of my sins and I invite you to be the Lord of my life. Please come into my heart today. And as much as I know how, I'm going to live for you. Jesus, thank you. God, I also pray for everybody in here that we would be world changers. That we would realize that we can make a difference no matter who we are. No matter what we're doing or what we've done. Because your power is made available to us. So God, send your power on us and give us the opportunities to live for you. So that we can make a difference for the sake of your kingdom and the lives around us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your presence and your power. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.